0: Hi there listeners. Welcome to episode 35, part 1 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. This episode is again a review and analysis episode of the India vs. England ODI series. It was a very exciting series. I mean, considering we had the top two sides contesting and man, were all the matches high scoring. We witnessed some quality batting and bowling coupled with Virat Kohli, unfortunately, you know, losing the toss on all three occasions that definitely helped India bat first and something that we've always wanted wanted to do, you know, bat well in crunch situations and we really got to see good performers and someone taking up responsibility in the important uh, junctions. On the podcast today, joining me for this comprehensive analysis of the ODI series, we have Shreejan. To talk more about our guest today, Shreejan is an ardent cricket fan and enthusiast, currently doing his bachelor's in economics. Political Science and Sociology at Christ Deemed to be University, Central Campus Bengaluru, he really enjoys the game and his love for the game is not defined by who is playing, how, when and where. Srijan is of the opinion that one's love for the game shouldn't be defined by who is playing the sport, it should rather be on how it is played and on the game itself. Ultimately, no one is greater than the sport. Though he never really played the game on a professional level, he really enjoys watching and talking about the game to anyone and everyone. Hi Srijan, welcome to Never on the Backfoot podcast. Really happy to have you here. I think this was a long pending collaboration and I'm so glad we're finally doing it.
1: Thanks Neha, thanks for the opportunity. Really looking forward to be on your podcast
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, before we get started with the topic, I just have a couple of questions to, you know, acquaint our listeners about you and your love for the game. So, uh, my first question is, what got you interested in the game? Like, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself as a cricket fan and your early memories of the sport.
1: Okay, so to speak about myself, I'm probably someone who rarely played cricket, but is interested in cricket a lot. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, i first got interested uh, in the game thanks to a mobile phone game uh, on a samsung mobile phone uh, smartphone smartphones weren't a thing back then and uh, i had this mobile phone i mean not my mobile phone but one, one of my uh, relatives mobile mm-hmm. phone where, there's, uh, where there was this game this cricket game and uh, okay. that's where i familiarized myself with all the rules and <laughs> how the game is about. So that is where my love for the game started. Hmm. I used to play that game for hours together. And after that, uh, a lot of stick sports. Uh, there's a, there's also another game called uh, Smash Tester Cricket. I don't know if it still exists. So okay. uh, that game also I played a lot. Hmm. Uh, so these were the uh, you know games that I played as as a child growing up and you know familiarizing myself with this sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as I told you, I'm probably one of those rare kind of know, cricket fans who never really played the sport on the ground but on a mobile phone and acquainted himself with the game. So
0: mm-hmm. that's an
1: interesting story, I feel. <laughs> yeah,
0: and your earliest memories?
1: Um, my earliest memory of watching a game on television uh, was the 2010 IPL. Okay. Uh, Chris Gale was a new recruit back then for the RCB. Um, and he was smashing sixes at will uh, at the Chinnaswamy Stadium. So that was my earliest memory. But I don't remember who the opposition was. Mm-hmm. I just remember Chris Gale because of that bright red uh, colored uh, jersey. And then him smashing sixes at the Chinnaswamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the opposition. And after okay. that, the first proper, proper memory of me I know, watching cricket has to be the 2011 World Cup final. So... I think the game began at at around uh, 1.30 in the afternoon, so Mm -hmm. by one o'clock I was all ready uh, for the game, you know. I I had made all arrangements for the game, I had (laughs) uh, sticky notes with me, I was was making notes of uh, all the players, all the scores, Hmm. and uh, if you remember right, uh, the 2011 World Cup was one of the rare games where the toss had to happen twice because yeah. Ivanka the, on the other day was very noisy and uh, I think the match referee couldn't hear what hmm. Sangakara called so yeah. the toss had to happen twice. So that was my earliest memory and uh, see Dhoni finished it off in style and uh, those iconic words that, that are now Ravishastri's words, uh, the words that he said on Combox.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, those words you know still ring in my ears and those are those are memories that i'll never forget uh, and uh, ravi shastri's contribution to my watching the, uh, watching the game and you know loving it mm-hmm. because i always fancy myself as a commentator and uh, whenever i play the game as well on the mobile phone mm-hmm. or even on the streets with my friends you know i i mute all the sound around me and then i try to commentate on each ball that i'm playing you know
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: uh, and then i say i shouldn't have played this shot and uh, you know the covers over here so hmm. i should i should have i should i should have tried playing more straight and all that so that is how i think i analyze my game and that is how i fancy myself as a commentator as well so okay.
0: that's my story <laughs> that's nice and you know how is it like playing cricket in school or even in your childhood and what are your fondest memories
1: um yes as i told you earlier i've probably never uh, really played cricket seriously, Mm -hmm. but it's not like I've never held a bat in hand or had a uh, ball in hand. Uh, Whenever I used to find time, you know, uh, I used to take the bat and play with my friends in the local playground or uh, on the terrace or on the streets, wherever we could find space. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, playing that game, I was ready to do anything on the field, like uh, bowl, bat, or, you know, keep wickets. Hmm. Or stand in the slips, or whatever, whatever. So, I was I was really looking forward to play the game, and I was re- really looking forward to keep myself occupied. And as far as bowling was there, I could bowl uh, fast, I could bowl medium pace, wow. I could bowl off spin, I could bowl leg spin, whatever, hmm. uh, just to keep myself, uh, you know, entertained on the field and just to keep myself going on the field. I used to do it, but uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I could continue playing the game on the higher level. Hmm. And probably I wasn't made for that as well. I was, I was probably made for, you know, watching cricket and talking about cricket and writing about cricket. That's mm-hmm. what I was made for, I think, <laughs> at least.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, who was your favorite cricketer, you know, gro- growing up? And who is it currently?
1: Um, so my favorite cricketer growing up and currently uh, right now has to be Ravithan Ashwin. Okay. And my love for Ashvin is also fueled by the fact that... Uh, no, Ashwin's house, Ashwin's residence is just a couple of streets away from where I live in Chennai. Wow. Um, and uh, also the fact that Ashwin and I, you know, we studied in the same school. So hmm. um, so that's a common tangent between us. Okay. Uh, I've never really uh, seen Ashwin uh, in this area. But uh, as you see, uh, I started watching cricket around at around 2010 or mm-hmm. 11. And that was the exact same time when Ashwin was, uh, you know, coming up the ladders in international cricket. And he had a really good uh, 2010 IPL. And he he was selected for the 2011 World Cup as well. So uh, our careers, you know, I mean, uh, mine watching cricket and his playing cricket, (laughs) Hmm. you know, uh, simultaneously coincided uh, with each other. And uh, the talk around the town was Ashwin. And, you know, usually being of the same area, wherever you go, you say, uh, the shopkeeper says, that you know Ashwin's parents just came to the shop and then they just they just left or some something on the floor, so that yeah. kept me motivated uh, actually uh there's a, there's this one funny story okay um uh, so I think this was the two thousand eleven champions stroke uh champions league hmm. uh and uh c s k hadn't had a very good season uh they had lost a couple of matches. I mean, Hmm. all their matches were played either in Chennai or Mumbai. Hmm. So, when the games were in Chennai, since uh, our houses were, you know, very close to each other, I, you know, literally barged into Ashwin's house once.
0: Oh my uh, god,
1: okay. (laughs) uh, Just, you know, uh, try to get a glimpse of my hero. Hmm. But, uh, unfortunately, he wasn't there. Uh, I was, you know, uh, sent away by his mother saying that Ashwin's not there, the team's performing bad, so... He's gone for practice and all that, so cool. that's that. And there's only one time I've seen Ashwin uh, in this area. He just returned from his county stint mm-hmm. and I was coming back from class, so uh, that's oh our God. meeting. And then we he waved at us, and that was like the most incredible moment. Like that—that <laughs> is probably one of the only times I saw a cricket star on the on the road. So yeah.
0: <laughs> full fanboy moment yeah and uh, when you look back you know what's your favorite match of all time um
1: yes uh my favorite match of all time definitely has to be the 2011 world cup uh only since uh it was my first real memory of watching this sport on television um mm-hmm. uh, and as i told you the way ms batted uh was simply uh superb and that's how I got to watch the game more. And after that, you know, I used to spend hours on Crickinfo and uh, Wikipedia, you know, trying to learn more about players mm-hmm. and all that. So that is how I got started in the game. And that remains till date uh, mm-hmm. my favorite memory. Mm-hmm. Um, another match that I can talk about is the 2014 uh, T20 World Cup. Okay. The match was in South Africa, India versus South Africa. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember uh, the ball that Ashram bowled to uh, hashim Mamla. see, right? uh, you know people talk about my, uh, Shane Warne's ball to Mike Gatting as the ball of, ball century. of the century.
0: Hmm, yeah. Yeah, but
1: <laughs> that one, that particular one, uh, it uh, it turned ever so slightly just to knock the off stump. Yeah. So that that was, you know, I still vividly remember watching that one, and India won that game by a fair distance. So. Hmm. That is also one of my favorite uh, games of all time.
0: Okay. And uh, what's your fondest memory of, you know, having gone to a stadium to watch the match? And what is that experience like?
1: Okay. So my fondest memory of watching a match in the stadium is very limited because to this day, I've been to the stadium only once. Okay. Uh, Again, this was the same game. Uh, Chennai Super Kings versus uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Hmm. the Champions League game in 2011. This was happening in Chennai and uh uh yeah csk bowlers had a good night that particular day Ashwin also was you know quite good he had match figures of one for 25 of his four overs mm-hmm. but uh the csk chase never really got going uh, i think uh the low 120s uh mm-hmm. 121 or 122 if i'm if i'm right so the csk chase never got going and uh, Back then, uh, Sumil Narayan was this new sensation. Uh, he was bowling beautifully and uh, Batman, uh, all around the world, you know, was struggling to pick his hand and yeah. he was struggling to pick, uh, play against him and uh, he bowled exceptionally that night. Uh, mm-hmm. If I remember his match figures, it was like four overs, three for eight. Hmm.
0: Uh,
1: and uh, MS Dhoni also, that particular night, he never got going. Yeah. He scored around, he he scored about seven of twenty-two balls.
0: Sluggish.
1: That was there, and uh, CSK ended up losing the match by seven runs or six runs, if I'm right. So that was my uh, memory. But but even after that, I tried getting tickets uh, to the games that happened in Chennai. But unlucky, uh, I was unlucky on many occasions. And uh, yeah, I wanted to watch the match, the recent Test match that Mm -hmm. happened in Chennai. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost got the tickets, but. I, I backed out because of the COVID uh, fears and I saw the footage on television.
0: Yeah. I mean, no,
1: nobody was wearing masks, so <laughs> I couldn't risk it. So
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, um, when you look back and also see what is the positive impact that cricket has had on your life?
1: Um, cricket has had a very positive uh, impact on my life, if I need to say. And mm. uh, metaphorically speaking, I think test cricket is a way... Of life and it's not just another format of the game. Yeah. Because uh, it, what I'm saying might sound cliche, but if you look into it, uh, you know you actually find truth in it. And uh, in test cricket, uh, you see that the teams, you know, one particular team might be down in the dumps at, at the end of one particular session. Yeah. But at the end of the next session, it might be right back on top. So how how is it gone right back at the top? Is because of you know uh, sheer grit. Determination and showing courage, yeah, and all these qualities, right? And all these qualities, you know, help you be a better person. So, that is my way of thinking of how cricket helped me be a better person and had a positive impact on my life.
0: Okay, and uh, which is your favorite uh, cricket book of all time?
1: So, yeah, as you had mentioned earlier as well, hmm. um, I you you mentioned, you know, reading Sajjan Dinilka's autobiography, <laughs> yeah, uh, so. That was even my first uh, cricket book, you know. Hmm. To be very honest,
0: okay.
1: uh, I read this book when I was probably in tenth or eleventh, hmm. um, and I read this uh, book continuously for uh, five, six times, you know, without a break and wow. without getting bored. <laughs>
0: okay. So I,
1: I found that book so interesting, uh, and I I read it from our school library. And uh, at the end, uh, you know, the the librarian who was you know resigning that I mean who was retiring that particular year, she said that I've never seen a person. Uh, you know, read a particular book, you know, so many times that you continuously <laughs> without a break and, you know, without getting bored. So hmm. you better keep that book as a memorable and, uh, you know, you, you, you take that book with you and you have it with you. And okay. then I said, uh, I, I, I didn't want to take the book, which was, you know, a school property mm-hmm. and I denied it yeah. very humbly. Okay. Uh, so after that, I read, uh, I recently read uh, Bharat Sundaresan's book, hmm. uh, ms dhoni uh, i mean the book that he wrote on ms Tony, uh, that was again very very good okay um, and i also plan to read uh, uh, a book uh, a book called cricket drona uh, okay. which is written by uh, mr wasup Sorry, hmm. so it, it is written by mr jatin pranjape excuse me for my error hmm. uh, jatin pranjape is the son of Vasu ranjape who was the, who was a former coach in mumbai Uh, And uh, he's had a hand in, you know, developing many of these top cricketers that you see today, for example, Sachin, Rohit Sharma, Hmm. and many of those cricketers, Ajit Agarkar, many of those cricketers who've come from Mumbai. Hmm. So he's had a hand in their development at some stage, and uh, he's really one of those uh, elite coaches, uh, if you ask me, after Ramakant Asfekar, Hmm. he's one of the most uh, popular coaches in around in and around the Mumbai cricket circle, so I would like to read that. And Jatin Pranjeet also served as the selector uh, for the Indian uh, men's team from 2016 to 2017. So hmm. that's there. So when I get my hand, if I get my hands on that particular book, I shall be reading that book.
0: <laughs> that's nice. And uh, do you also feel that you know the IPL is a threat to the longest format of the game?
1: Um, the I can answer this question in two ways. Yeah, uh, you know, okay. I can. Either say that yes, IPL is a threat to the longest format of the game, or I or, or I can al- also say that you know IPL is not a threat to the longest format of the game. It depends on how you look at it. Hmm. Uh, I see both aspects, and you can be the judge, you know, in trying to decide whether IPL. And when I'm speaking about IPL, I'm th- I'm talking about all T20 cricket okay. in general and not IPL alone. So. Hmm. In the past, you know, uh, we've had players, you know, who've chosen to play the IPL over over playing test cricket for their particular nation or over playing for the nation as such. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, mainly due to the monetary aspect of, you know, getting more money from playing the IPL. But, uh, you know, you have, today you have players such as, uh, you know, MS, uh, you have players such as Virat Kohli who, you know, who, who, you know, actively voice out their opinion hmm. or voice out the importance of Test cricket, and when you have uh, cricketers such as Virat Kohli, yeah. you know they themselves, you know, advertising Test cricket. You don't need any bigger advertisement for the game. Exactly. So when they uh, when they say that you know Test cricket is of paramount importance, and we as a team, you know, always want to play Test cricket at the highest level, hmm. that is a bigger advertisement for the game. And I think ICC also nowadays has been more proactive in terms of the schedule, and in terms of bringing, uh, you know, uh, day-night cricket, day-night test cricket, and those are all things that, you know, uh, benefit the viewership. Hmm. And uh, as far as the IPL goes, uh, or all T20 cricket goes, Hmm. uh, it has eliminated all the virtues that you see in test cricket. For example, batting for a long time, or batting with uh, time, batting with patience, you uh, you know, grinding out the opposition attack, uh, building and mm-hmm. in innings and all those qualities that are very essential for uh, test cricket have all seemed to have vanished in a short period of time due to the advent of uh, due to the advent of IPL hmm. uh, or t20 cricket uh, but you also have players you know who have excelled in all three formats of the game and you have players such as uh, pujara who can you know bat for days together uh, so you have those kinds of players but those kind of players are far and few in between so hmm. uh, if you see uh, t20 cricket has you know uh, eliminated all these qualities but also on the positive aspect of things uh, it has changed the way batsmen you know approach the game hmm. uh, if you see uh, chasing 320 plus on a day 5 pitch at gabba uh, 10 years back or even 15 years back it would have been something unthinkable you know exactly. teams would have gone yeah teams would have gone to you know uh, draw the game and you know, uh, come back with uh, sharing the honors. Mm. But you know, you have teams such, uh, you know, you have players such as Rishabh Pant who play fearless cricket, mm. who play, uh, who play on the merit of the ball and not who the and are not bothered by who the bowler is. So mm. Rishabh Pant, you know, almost backed out uh, Nathan Lyon out of the attack in the Sydney Test, and uh, the way he played James Anderson with the new ball in Chennai. Uh, <laughs> yeah. These are all things, uh, thanks to T20 cricket, you're able to see those kinds of innovative shots or those Mm. kinds of uh, fearless attitude into test cricket. So the answer to this question, as I told you, is two ways. On one side, you see that uh, people now don't bat for long periods of time. They don't know how to rotate the strike or they they struggle to rotate the strike or they struggle to build an innings. Mm. On the other side, you also have players such as these who, you know, bring an expressive brand of cricket that is very refreshing to see in test cricket so the answer to this is twofold and you can be the judge you know in trying to decide whether t20 cricket has destroyed uh, the longest format of the game or has it you know helped in bettering the game uh, i for one found it very hard to you know watch mm-hmm. t20 cricket after uh, two months of watching test cricket in australia and england you know you look at it the game is done in 3 hours mm-hmm. and you On the other hand, you have test cricket where you play for hours together and the match can still end in a draw. So, that is the the beauty of the game.
0: That's true. And, uh, you know, if you had to actually pick an all-time playing 11, who would that be for you?
1: Okay. So, my all-time playing 11, I believe, is quite an interesting one. Okay. So, my all-time 11 would be uh, Matthew Hayden and Justin Langer at the top. Okay. Okay. Sachin at three, pointing at four, uh, Lara at five, uh, Callis at six, uh, Gilchrist is donning the gloves, and then you have one, Shane Vaughn, mm-hmm. Va- Wasim Akram, Waqar uh, Yunis, and Dale Stain. So
0: <laughs> that is a solid and uh, you know very strong playing eleven actually. Yeah. And I mean I would have loved to ask you more questions and you know listen to and lift your experiences, but uh, let's now jump straight into our topic. Okay. This episode will majorly focus on the takeaways, positives and talking points from this series. We start off by discussing on the summary of the matches, a special shout out to Nitin Menon, Shrikhar Dhawan's form, Johnny Bairstow's imperious form, Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow right at the top of the order and their partnerships in comparison to the resurrection act that Pandya and Panth have been doing, Sam Curran's whirlwind knock in the final ODI, Prasad Krishna and Krunal Pandya's debut, Hardik Pandya bowling and what an advantage it is for India. Additionally, we have also focused on Morgan's injury and a take on Butler's captaincy, Bhuvi's rich vein of form from the T20I series carrying forward to the ODI series, India's concern for the poor form of spinners in the limited over setup, and the inability of India to get wickets first up in the power play and how that adds on to the pressure are some among the many crucial pointers that's covered in this first part. Let's get started on our analysis and review episode of this exciting ODI series. So let's start off with the summary of the matches. Now, in the first ODI, India put up a formidable 317 on the board. And Dhawan top-scored with 98 with KL Rahul and Krunal Pandya. Mind you, he was actually on his debut. And he chipped in with Handy Knock of 58 and with uh, KL Rahul also scoring 62 and this ensured we actually had a decent total on the board. England in reply could just manage like 251 and although Bairstow, you know, scored that scintillating 94 and a brilliant spell by Prasid Krishna who took 4 wickets and Shardul Thakur with 3 wickets they actually turned things around for India in restricting and dismissing England. To focus on the second ODI India was bolstered by the brilliant 108 that KL Rahul scored. Uh, Pant scored 77 and Kohli scored 66 that actually propelled them to a competitive and defendable 336. England was off to a flyer and uh, Bairstow again you know top scored with a brilliant 124. And with Stokes contributing with that 99 and Jason Roy with that 50, 55, they wrapped things up so easily. England won the match and again, the series was leveled one all. Now in the third ODI, India lost the toss yet again and we were put to bat putting a very good 329 on board. I mean, it was good-ish. There were phases where, you know, sporadic loss of wickets meant India couldn't capitalize on those partnerships and uh, England was good, you know, in restricting India, but a solid knock from Pant, Dhavan and Pandya ensured, yeah, as I said, a good-ish total. But England definitely did not give anything away whilst chasing because we saw how David Malan and uh, Livingston actually played good knocks. And uh, Sam Curran's magnificent 95 also kept them, you know, in the match and india's poor fielding was another cause cause for concern but this ensured that it was going to be a nail biter but uh, india pulled things in style and we finally won the match thanks to a very good death uh, over by natrajan and we won the series 2-1 so that's the comprehensive summary of the matches
1: so in this particular series uh, mm-hmm. i think the find of the series has to be nitin menon yeah uh, the way he umpired and you know the covid era right Hmm. You don't get non neutral umpires, and there's always this bias that uh, umpires tend to uh, favor home teams. But Nathan Menon was simply superb. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Nathan Menon, I feel, uh, you know, carved uh, a own niche for himself. And uh, To give you some stats, uh, to give some stats for our listeners, mm-hmm. uh, there are about 40 referrals that uh, were directed towards Nitin Menning, mm-hmm. of which 5 were upheld, 12, 12, was, uh, 12 were on umpire's call, and 25 were struck down. 23 were struck down. Okay. So of the 35 LBW appeals mm-hmm. that were there, only 2 were overturned. So mm-hmm. these are mind-boggling uh, stats for me as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, and it's often sad that we don't talk about Indian umpires much, uh, because on the global stage. Apart from Sundaram Ravi, I don't think any other uh, any other umpire has made it on to the big stage mm-hmm. to the ICC light panel. So uh, we should be talking about uh, Nathan Menon more, and he's been simply superb in this series. And yes, this particularly makes a case for how good in- Indian umpires are because uh, the way we are structured, you know, one bad IPL game and we label him as a poor umpire or. Mm-hmm good for nothing umpire so yeah we really need to start respecting our umpires more and Nathan Menon is surely uh, paving the way for us to do so so with Nathan Menon let's start a good good you know uh, good way of you know respecting our umpires and, you know they do have bad games or they do have of this yeah. so do players so uh, where credit needs to be given it needs to be given and Nathan Menon according to me has to be the find
0: of the series. Definitely. And uh, to focus on, you know, even Shikhar Dhawan's form. Now, this series was particularly important for him because he returned to the bench after the one T20I where he played and he was dropped for the rest of the series. And we know he's facing stiff competition in this format from rising youngsters. Now, the management does have, uh, you know, plenty of options. Inside the squad, we have Shubhan Gill Outside, you have someone like Prithvi Shaw, Devdutt Padigal, maybe like a far-off thing even Yashasvi Jaiswal for the opening slot. So now, this series was actually a litmus test of sorts for him to prove himself as the opener. And he was in good touch, you know, proving he's still relevant in this format. And I think that was a very big positive for India.
1: Yeah, with that being said, uh, hmm. you mentioned the names of uh, Shubman Gill. You mentioned the names of Devdath Particle, Prithvi Shaw, hmm. you know, four-of-chance uh, for SSV Jaisal as well. Yeah. Uh, all these four or five players, you know, have been brilliant in the... Uh, Vijay Hazare trophy and i was actually thinking uh, that you know uh, the seniors might be rested and they uh, the youngsters should get a go hmm. uh, only considering because the next next world cup is so far away and that's happening in india as well so it's uh, this this particular series you know could have served as uh, but good ground you know to experiment our strength or you know to expand our brand strength hmm. uh, having said that uh, Shekhar Dhawan, uh, being a senior pro and being, uh, being you know the quality player that he is, uh, he showed uh, why he is still rated as one of the best openers, hmm. and that that augurs well for Indian cricket. So speaking about uh, the counterpart uh, to Shekhar Dhawan hmm. on the opening side of the England, uh, of the England ODI side, hmm. there's Johnny Bestow and he was in, uh, imperious. Yeah. Uh, in, in the in the ODI that that was just concluded that just <laughs> concluded. Yeah. So if you see, johnny Besto has been the linchpin of the England batting lineup uh, at the top of the order ever since you know England started this white ball transition in trying to be a more potent force with the bat and trying to be uh, more aggressive with the bat in the limited overs format. Hmm. Unfortunately, uh, due to England's rotation policy. Uh, he missed out on the test, uh, England test, and he was also batting in the middle order in the T20s, which mm-hmm. was, according to me, not his natural position to bat upon. Uh, because in the IPL, you see him opening the uh, batting for SRH. So he's been really good at the top of the order, and I, I don't understand why you know, he was uh, you know, sent down the order in the mm-hmm. T20s. So his bat was mostly silent in the test and the T20s, but come the... He showed what a player he is, yeah. and you know, with Root missing uh, this series due to the rotation policy, mm-hmm. uh, Bester's contributions at the top were, were of even more significance, and deservedly so, he got the Man of the Series award, and he's been absolutely magnificent at the top uh, for England over the years.
0: Exactly. And uh, drawing on the same line of thought, I mean, we have Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow right at the top of their orders. And their partnerships have been so productive. And I think I'd just like to give a comparison here to the resurrection uh, act that, you know, uh, Hardik Pandya and Pant have to do at the fall of wickets. So now when you look at Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow. They average like 61.6 as an open, as openers, right? And this among opening pairs to have batted together in at least 20 innings is like at this at the top of the pile. And you just have four other uh, you know ODI opening pairs who have more century stands in them. They've been prolific throughout, and they've also they also have the highest run rate. You know, operating at seven. 0.02 and over. Now, the pair seems to actually bring out the best in each other. You can see how they complement each other well. And ever since Bairstow, you know, got promoted up the order in 2017, Jason Roy has averaged like 45.55 when he's played in the same side as the Yorkshire man. And uh, five more runs than his career average also. Now, Bairstow himself has, uh, you know, looked the part from day one as an ODI opener. He's stable and he has good uh, set of shots. And with his record up there... You know, with the best in the world. And we've seen how well they've performed in the ODIs. And it is a testament, you know, to the brilliance and the quality of their batting. Now, in retrospect, in comparison, uh, we have India and we have Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Dhawan opening. While uh, England, you know, go hard uh, at their bowlers right from the word go, Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Dhawan, they take it slow. They generally are, uh, you know, content just being out there in the middle. And by the end of the 10th over, they, like, you know, gradually start picking up pace. The signs of a change in the approach, I felt, was, you know, when in the third ODI. And uh, But again, India's plans appeared to go for a toss when, you know, we lost our top three in like three overs. Dhawan, Kohli and Rohit, who have actually done the bulk of scoring for us in this format over the last few years. And uh, we, we lost their wickets, you know, before the 18th over. And it was already like becoming a challenge in you know, a wicket where we obviously needed a huge total. Now, instead of following, you know, the old template of trying to construct an innings by, you know, being watchful and then going hard at the end, the finishers have paved the way for India by, uh, you know, going forward and continuing to go for the kill despite, you know, being on the back foot. And uh, I think Hardik Pandya and Rishabh Pant come here. They stuck to the plan of going hard against the spinners. Uh, It was controlled and calculated aggression. At least that's what I'd call it. And it's at best where a team... Uh, You know, they've managed to turn the tables in a matter of few overs, despite appearing to be in trouble. And I feel their enterprising partnership also reinforced the belief that, you know, India doesn't always need their top players to perform because we can bat deep into an ODI innings with the players of this caliber. So that has to be my other takeaway.
1: That's a very good observation. Mm -hmm. You You spoke about how... Uh, England's approach is going all guns blazing right from ball one. And on the other hand, you have India who often have a steady start and then have wickets in hand to explode at the hmm. very end. So that being said, uh, call me a conservationist or whatever, but <laughs> I feel that, you know, uh, going all guns blazing might not win you all games. Okay. Uh, rather, you know, uh, the method... That India adopted in those two uh, ODIs. The first two ODIs was more, uh, more, more, more safer in in, in every aspect because uh, 329 and 339, if I'm not wrong, but the mm-hmm. two scores uh, in the first two ODIs and on most days are defendable. Uh, you know, uh, England lost their way uh, trying to chase the total in the first ODI, and then they make they made mockery of the total in the second one. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and almost made mockery of the, uh, the third one as well. So they might not win you games all the time, but uh, they do win you games, and it does look attractive on the field. But yeah. uh, off the field, I feel that you know, uh, playing a more conservative game, uh, having wickets in hand, and all those things, you know, help you build a better total. Hmm. England might be zero for two at the start of two overs, yeah. And but but still, at the end of ten overs, they might be sixty six for three or whatever. Hmm. They're still going at six point six. And over, right? So, yeah. uh, speaking of the approaches, I feel the way Sam Curran approached his ODI innings, and mm-hmm. the final ODI was something that needs to be talked about. Yeah, because uh, Sam Curran played it slightly differently. He was not going all against uh, all against the bowlers. He was playing the situation. Uh, he was playing according to the ball's merit, hmm. and uh, he was playing good cricket actually. Uh, because uh, once the match got over, and I opened Twitter. Hmm. Uh, I found a lot of people comparing uh, Sam Curran and MS Tony, the way they play and you know try to finish games because yeah. Sam Curran almost finished the game for England yes. and uh, you know he also uh, was denying strike to uh, Mark Wood at the other end and you know he was putting the onus on himself you know to try and finish the total and uh, to stay at the end at, till the very end so. Hmm. They were shades of MS Dhoni, I must say, but too early to come into his career. He has a very long way to go and he surely will be one of the players to watch out for uh, come the 2023 World Cup or come any major tournament in the future. He is surely one for the future for England.
0: Definitely. And, you know, talking about youngsters, we had Prasid Krishna and Krunal Pandya making their debuts. I mean, they were very interesting faces that we actually got, uh, you know, to see featuring for India in the playing 11. Uh, Krunal Pandya and Prasad Krishna, they definitely made the stage their own because Krunal Pandya on one hand scored that magnificent 58 of just 31. He smashed the fastest 50 by a debutant and he fired India to like a very competitive 317, you know, and uh, it was an emotional moment for the man. I mean, we saw how he was acknowledging at each stage his uh, you know, father's untimely demise. And it was great to see him effortlessly bat and, you know, just hit those boundaries and it was a very... Calculated a good knock. Uh, Focusing on Prasad Krishna, I think he registered like brilliant bowling figures by an Indian uh, debutant. uh, And, you know, he scalped those four crucial wickets. Having leaked like 37 runs in the first three overs, he came back strongly and he troubled the batsman uh, with his ability to, you know, generate that extra bounce, which was so crucial. And uh, I have to say, very impressive debuts.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, You know, Prasid Krishna and... uh runal coming to the next stage and performing like they belong mm-hmm. was something that you know uh, we all must take note of and yeah. uh, india have fielded many debutants uh, over the course of this season mm-hmm. uh, right through the australia tour and as well as uh, in Ingl- uh, against england as well um, one thing uh, you know to you know support this particular argument is to see how well the support staff and how well the system backs our players mm-hmm. uh, and speaking of that, I know uh, I should also speak about Had- Hardik Pandya's bowling as well. Yeah, because he yeah. was returning to you know bowl uh, in this particular series. And the management backed him, you know, even despite, despite the fact that he was playing as a pure batsman in the previous one. Mm-hmm. The management backed him, you know, to come good. And they were there throughout uh, his recovery. And they were overseeing the, uh, his recovery. Because he is a key member of this side, right? Yeah. And... Uh, Hardik's bowling is a huge plus, I must say, because he was bowling four overs consistently in the t 20 is and, mm-hmm. and uh, when it came to the ODIs, I was quite surprised to see Hardik not bowling in the first two ODIs, because uh, Krunal Pandya is not one particular bowler, at least at the international stage, he's not tested. Mm-hmm. He, says he might come good with the bat, but with the ball in hand, uh, he's not one who could bowl 10 overs. Yeah. And, uh, and then you also had Prasad Krishna, uh, who was, again, on his debut series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then boovi coming back as well. So, uh, Hardik's bowling was really important. I, and I was you know quite surprised that he was not bowling in the first two ODIs. Mm-hmm. And uh, come the third ODI, uh, he bowled. And he bowled nine nine overs mm-hmm. for 48 rounds. Um, he might not have any wickets for sure to show for his efforts with the yeah. ball, but uh, to bowl economically and to offer control with the ball was just support to uh, uh, the way that Bhuvneshwar Kumar was bowling because he was all at one end. Yes, you had the likes of Shardul Thakur as well uh, on the other end who were taking wickets, but they were also going for runs. But mm-hmm. uh, to offer control and to, uh, to bowl well, so well over the course of the series, right from the T20Is as well as in the ODIs, Hardik's bowling is a huge plus for India. And going into the uh, World T20, it's going to be a, a massive, massive... Uh, thing for India because Hardik bowling changes the dynamics of the side and hmm. you can have six proper uh, bowlers as well as uh, a number of batsmen to you know deepen your batting lineup so that's a good thing.
0: Exactly and you know talking about injuries we saw how Morgan was injured and Butler had to take up captaincy. Now Morgan was ruled out for the reminder of the uh, you know ODI series owing to the hand injury and Joss Butler cap- uh, captained in his absence, and I think he did a decent job. In the past, Joss Butler has led England like 11 times in limited overs cricket, and his first captaincy stint, if I'm not wrong, came in 2015, right? And uh, Morgan, on the other hand, he sustained a split webbing, you know, between his thumb and the index finger in the series opener that required four stitches, so he could obviously not, you know, come and play for the team. And uh, while he took part on the fielding drill, but he still, uh, you know, declared himself unfit soon thereafter, which was probably a Good decision, considering this the IPL season and so much more to look forward to. And uh, Morgan's replacement was Malan, and uh, he scored, you know, an impressive, I'd say, probably even a tricky fifty, which stalled what was going to be a sweet win for India. But uh, great knock, I'd say.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh, one of the key factors in India's win uh, in this particular series has to be Bhuvnesh Kumar and the way he came back, you no, know, yeah. from injury, uh, and and more the way he did because you know for the last few years uh, bhuneshwar kumar has spent more days off the field due to injury than on the field mm-hmm. uh, and for him to come back you know uh, to be very frank uh, in the first t20i that india played uh, mm-hmm. india were off sorts uh, in all the three departments and india's batting innings never got going yeah. and when it came to india's bowling uh, bhuvi's pace was not uh, at the usual pace that we see him bowling Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also considering that it was his first real competitive match uh, at the international level after coming back from injury. So I was quite worried how Bubi would turn up uh, in this particular series, and from there on, mm-hmm. to you know, after that first ODI, uh, first T20I, to bounce back and then to way uh, to the uh, to bowl the way he did. I think he just picked up uh, from where he left off. And uh, um, to think of uh, India's dead bowling riches, you certainly have bhuvneshwar Shokumar fit and ready now hmm. uh, bhuvneshwar kumar uh, right is there is there on the top and then you will also have uh, bumrah coming back from hmm. his rest yeah. and then you also have natarajan uh, you know uh, there in the side so to think of all three, and then you have shami as well yeah. so hmm. so to think of all four of them bowling in tandem
0: yeah. at the
1: death is going to be a sight to watch although it might not happen all the four of them playing at one time hmm. All the four of them, whenever they get to play, if they get to play, will be a side to watch. And to give some stats uh, to our viewers, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bougie was heads and shoulders above all the other bowlers uh, in this t- in this series, uh, right from the T20Is. So when other bowlers were going at about uh, 6.6 and over, in the ODIs, Bowie was just going at about six, uh, 4.65. And uh, when all the other bowlers were going at 8.49 in the T20s, uh, Bowie was just going at about 6.6 and wow. 4.65 in the ODS. So that is, a, that is mind-boggling stuff, you know. Uh, let yeah. that sink in. That's quite an achievement, you know, to, hmm. to bowl that way and also offer control and pick up wickets. Uh, he's an asset to this side
0: definitely I mean you know coming back from injury can never be easy and the way he's performed has definitely been very impressive and uh, I think I'd like to talk about another concern probably in our bowling department and that has to be the poor form of our spinners this is I'm talking about Solely in the limited over setup, right now the Indian spinners have undoubtedly had a torrid time with the ball because uh, Washington Sundar, uh, Chehel, they've been expensive ever since you know the T Twenty series started, and the story was no different with Kuldeep Yadav and Krunal Pandya, who uh, you know played in the ODIs. Now to put this in perspective, Kuldeep Yadav and Krunal Pandya, they went for like. 127 runs just picking up one wicket in those 19 overs and i think that was un, like you know unimpressive now uh, Kronal pandya after conceding that you know 36 in the first 3 overs he did manage to pull things back i think this is the first odi but uh, Koldi Yadav, on the other hand, he just looked listless, you know, in his nine overs and in the many series he has featured. The Chinaman bowler who has, you know, regularly been overlooked for a place in the playing eleven, He has travelled in so many bubbles. He's been with the team for so long, for so much time. But I don't think this did any good to his uh, future prospects. And his numbers are also showing like such a worrying trend he had been picked up as, you know, the mystery spinner and he was branded as this, you know, unknown commodity. This was, I think, before the 2017 Champions Trophy and he picked 93 wickets at, like, a very good average of 23 and an economy rate of 4.95. And this happened to, like, the 2019 World Cup where there was a steady increase, you know, in his uh, performance. But after that, he has averaged, like, 51.41 for his 12 wickets, conceding, like, 6.1 per over, which is quite worrying. And when we focus on someone like Chahil, India has been, uh, you know, able, uh, he's, India has enabled replacement, but bringing in the leg spinner could be a risk, you know, against a batting lineup, which has uh, attacking left-handers like Ben Stokes, Mohin Ali, and now, we know, Sam Curran, right? And uh, I think besides Krunal Pandya, whose place in the team I think looks assured, thanks to his, uh, you know, brilliant 58-on-debut, his bowling has been kind of handy, you know, to add the depth to the batting and everything. Uh, and yeah, Washington Sundar is the other spinner in the squad, but I don't think India is, like, confident to use him as the lead spinner in ODS. So yeah, the worrying trend of our spinners is, I think, a cause for concern.
1: Yeah, that's very good that you pointed out how Ashwin has fared in this series. Hmm. Uh, I was quite uh, you know looking forward that Ashwin will be picked for the uh, limited overs format. Okay. Right from the Australia uh, right from the Australia tour because he had quite a good IPL and the form that he is in, hmm. you know, it augurs really well for Indian cricket. Yeah. Because uh, he can offer you a bit with the bat as well, something that both Kuldeep and Chahal don't do. Uh, and with Jadeja missing, you know the right, I know the right kind of off spinner in the uh, team would have always been a benefit. Considering you know you you have so many left-handers in the middle yeah. for England, hmm. and I was quite surprised that he wasn't picked, and uh, I was quite disappointed as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So speaking of in- India's bowling, you you said uh, how the spinner struggled. Hmm. Uh, the Pacers have struggled too, with the exception of uh, you know Bhuvneshwar Kumar, who has been, who's come back from injury and is doing what he's doing. Because thanks uh, thanks to him, he left off. I mean, he picked he picked off from where he left off. So hmm. uh, he the only sole bright spot in the side. And apart from that, there's no one particular bowler who can take wickets up front with a new ball. Hmm. And that really hurts because uh, if you don't take up uh, Early wickets in the power play, England, the England batting lineup is going to come and come hard at you, exactly. and that's exactly what happened. Because uh, in most cases, uh, Johnny Besto and uh, Jason Roy, they got to uh, they got to a flyer, mm. and at the end of the 10th ten, or the twelfth or the fifteenth over, there were always no loss or one down. Mm. Uh, if you look at uh, India's success template in the ODIs, mm. it has always been that Rohit Kumar and Virat not pick up wickets at to the top and then you you leave it for uh, UC Sahel and kuldeep yadav to you know, uh, do their uh, job in the middle overs but having said that because the pacers uh, the were also not picking up wickets uh, and you had uh, a listless kuldeep yadav who was looking out of sorts hmm. and krunal pandya on debut and all those things uh, in this series the spinners weren't able to offer control with the ball and the pacers as well apart from bhuvneshwar kumar hmm. They, they weren't uh, much uh, they weren't a force to reckon with so uh, that is what, uh, that is one area of concern for the Indian uh, team not picking up wickets uh, early on in the innings. if you see the uh, 2020 uh, early 2020 tour of New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, we lost the ODI series. that was again when we couldn't uh, pick uh, pick wickets in the, uh, in the first 10 overs or the first 10, 15 overs. And then the New Zealand, uh, you know, batting lineup came hard at us towards the end. Yeah. This happened even in Australia when we went. We lost the ODI series there as well. So, right from the 2019 World Cup, this after the conclusion of the 2019 World Cup, this has been a concern for the Indian team. And I think I'm sure that the management has looked into it and is already working on it. And uh, with the return of Boomrah and with the return of Shami and with Bhuvneshwar Kumar back in form no things are going to get better and you know you will have bowlers uh, picking up wickets up front and then uh, with game time kuldeep yadav will get confident and he'll also uh, pick up wickets and kuldeep chahal and the bowling lineup of bumrah shami and bhuvneshwar will be a force to reckon that.
0: Definitely. I mean, this is a good, uh, you know, bowling side and having them all bowl well in tandem will definitely augur, uh, you know, well for India. And as for Kuldi Yadav, as you rightly pointed out, game time will be crucial and hopefully KKR can give him that space to, you know, uh, feature in the matches and actually make the most of the conditions and uh, everything.
1: Yeah, just to add a note on Kuldi Yadav, mm-hmm. uh, you said that she was branded as this mystery spinner, yeah. left arm China man, hmm. offering variety to the attack and all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're na- uh, at the nascent stages of your international career, you come from nowhere and there's not much footage available of you, you know, for teams to hmm. uh, see and decipher what you bowl or what how you bowl. Yeah. But as you play, you know, more and more games at the international level, uh, people are going to figure you out, people are going to read your, uh, read the ball off your hand and that if you remember the series against England in 2018, hmm. uh, Kuldeep and Chahal were abs- uh, were at their absolute best, and the England uh, side had no clue uh, against, I <laughs> know, uh, how to tackle them. Yeah. And two years down the line, three years down the line, right now, uh, you know, you had Kuldeep uh, struggling for uh, form. That that was always bound to happen. Yes, game time is important, yeah. and it is also important at the international level how you. Uh, you know, keep learning and how you build your repertoire at the international level against quality sides. Because sides are always going to figure you out. And sides are always going to know what you bowl and how you bowl. So, it's always, keep, uh, it's always important to keep learning, relearning and unlearning. So, that's one thing that I'm sure Kuldeep Yadav with time will get to learn and be a better force with the ball as time comes in the Defe- future.
0: Definitely. And those were some very good insights. Uh, with this, uh, you know, we come to an end with a part one of this good, very exciting series. Shri will be joining us for the last part as well. And we will be exploring uh, you know, other aspects of the ODI series. And listeners, we would love to have you tune in then as well. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.